0: Every time I like have struggled over this past year, especially um, I come back to tree and like our mission that Mm. no one should have to suffer or die alone. And it's like, that's why we're here, right? Is to be a beacon and a place of community for people that have nowhere else to go.
1: That was My Tree Compassionate Cares development director, Tomas Moreno. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Tomas wraps up his moving to the Bay Area story, which coincides with his discovery of what he wanted to do with his life. That purpose, serving folks in need, lined up perfectly for him with a strange place he had noticed while waiting for the In Judah at church several times. Of course, that strange place is My Tree, where Tomas and Rusty Smith work these days. They share the history of this nonprofit, founded in the Castro by Isan Dorsey back in 1987. They wrap up this episode with their thoughts on San Francisco as we emerge from the pandemic. Here is Tomas, followed by Rusty.
0: Why didn't I think of this sooner? Like, right. you know, like anytime I would visit family during the holidays or something like that, I would always make sure I had, like, a day or two in San Francisco just to, like, explore and have fun and enjoy the city. And, of course, you know, I ended up getting a job here. And I immediately set out in roots. You know, I moved into Berkeley, and it was full-time thing. This is what I'm doing. I have moved to the Bay Area by, I think, August mm-hmm. of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, like, two months later, and I was, like, in it. Doing the Bay Area, doing this thing, and You're coming up on
1: ten years this August, right? Yeah, yeah, which is long. just
0: wild. Um, three, three congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so when I moved to San Francisco, it was really, it was really just about trying to figure out like what area and how I wanted to do things, right? Mm-hmm. I I moved here just to like get a job and like set down roots someplace and figure things out, and kind of as the years went by and everything, I realized that what I have always wanted and needed kind of to do has been to help people in need. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing up, my mom was a Rotarian Mm -hmm. and she uh, was a high school teacher, or still is a high school teacher. She'll kill me if I say that she was a high school teacher. Okay, She is a high school teacher for three more weeks because oh. she is retiring congratulations. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and she's a high school teacher for special needs kids awesome. and all growing mm-hmm. up like her thing was always just that you have it so much better than so many other people mm-hmm. and that means that it's on you to give back and help people right on. and it was like yeah all of that just kind of clicked after a year or, a year or so where I was like, oh, that's what like I need to do. Like, that's my job, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it was, how, how do I do this? Like, I don't know, I didn't know that I wanted or could be that kind of frontline person mm-hmm. providing direct care to people. Um, and so it really became that, oh, I can write well, I can communicate and, like, tell people things, I can get people excited about things. Why don't I do that, but for, like, causes and helping people? And so once all of that clicked, which, you know, I was in my 20s, and so it was like, oh, duh, like, these are, like, realizations that, like, everybody gets of, like, figuring out what and how to, like, craft and figure out where you're
1: going to be working. and Where you fit in the world. Yeah,
0: where you fit in the world.
1: Where I was
0: like, oh, right. Realized that development and fundraising was... A perfect pathway for me, and that it was really about always making sure that I was focused in around marginalized communities and okay. people who needed the most help. I'm mean, gonna I guess that's what
1: drew you here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Just wild guess. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, it was really again. I think that was about 2015 or so, kind of peak tech buses are ruining everything. We don't have enough housing. Lots of displacement. Yeah, no, lots of displacement. Right. And mm-hmm. you were seeing people protest. Um, and actually, I remember this really distinctly. Um, people protesting Google buses at the MacArthur BART station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I went <laughs> and was applying for a, a nonprofit that was three, four blocks away mm-hmm. uh, that served homeless seniors who were being displaced from West Oakland. Um, and I was just like, the two worlds that I'm seeing right here, just in this like three block area is insanity. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not how it should be. Like, y'all need to be talking to each other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and realizing that like, if we can get even just 3% of your money, we can fix kind of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't know the lives of the people that are really just completely being destroyed because you want to move like that much closer to a barb station, Mm -hmm. right? And so that was really crazy eye-opening for me and so I started working there uh, so that's uh, St. Mary's Center in West Oakland and
1: Was that a Catholic charity as well?
0: um, No, so (laughs) St. Mary's Center so they originally were founded out of St. Mary's Parish, um, which was on 7th Street in Oakland, Mm -hmm. and out of that became kind of an outreach effort um, after the big earthquake um, to help people in West Oakland, and specifically help seniors and preschoolers. And from there, they became their own independent nonprofit, but to kind of keep a hold of their roots, uh, they still have the name St. Mary's Center. Um, but yeah, so it's a non-denominational nonprofit and it was really, it's focused around helping homeless seniors and preschoolers in West Oakland. And there I realized that, you know, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I can do to help people and just help people connect and find the really cool shit happening in their neighborhoods. And that's what I always keep coming back to of, wherever i move or anything like that i just want to know what is happening
1: that's helping people in my neighborhood what's the good stuff yeah and and let's let everyone know about the good stuff
0: exactly and so when i found out about my tree i i was just like there is no place called my like you're describing like this is not a nonprofit in San Francisco, because I would have heard about it. Right. Uh, it, it is on Dubosa Church, and I have been there. Like, I pulled up the Google Maps and everything, and it was like, I've been on that train, right. like, right there in front for right. hours, just waiting. Like, I've been on the Anjuda waiting in front of where this My True Place is supposed to be. Like, there's no way. Supposed to be, right. Yeah. Supposed to be. Right. <laughs> yes. And it was just like, you are wrong. Like, this is a scam nonprofit, <laughs> right. and how dare you? And I went to visit one of my friends. Uh, who lived in the hate and, like, I was like, oh I can just, like, walk by that My tree place and see, like, if it is actually real. What the front yeah. is. <laughs> and so I, like, walked by and I was like, okay, so the sign is here. Like, it looked, maybe it's not a scam. Like, maybe this is actually a non that helps people. Um, and so, you know, I applied and work here and love it. When was that? So that would have been three years ago.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah. I want to hear a. a a little of the history before Hmm. you all both came to the place. Um, Whoever wants to take that. And then, and then we'll talk about what they're, what you're doing now. I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing or or how you've navigated COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and then we'll end on a more hopeful note. I promise. Awesome. Cool. But yeah. Cool. Um, So yeah. So Maitri, we were
0: founded in 1987 when, Isan Dorsey, who Mm. is a drag queen slash Zen Buddhist monk, opened the doors of the Hartford Street Zen Center Mm. to a homeless student
1: who was dying of AIDS. Okay, here in the city.
0: Here in the city. Mm. Um, And yeah, since then, Maitri has become a 15-bed model medical facility that serves people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, Since... 1987, obviously, HIV is no longer a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, we still provide hospice care because that is what we started as and that's what people deserve is mm-hmm. hospice care that really is compassionate at its core. But for the most part, people come here for what we call short-term respite and restorative care. Okay. So what that is is just short-term medical care because something has happened in their lives. Um, it tends to be related to their HIV or AIDS diagnosis. Mm-hmm. However, it can be a bunch of different things, right? People are living much longer with HIV. Um, and so you have a lot of older people who have complicated medical issues mm-hmm. that they're facing. And you know, one fall uh, can land you in the hospital. Right. Hmm. Um, and instead of being in the hospital, you can come here to my tree.
1: Hmm. How do folks, uh, I don't, is that a, apply or how do, how do, how do, how do, how do, how do you take people in? How, how do, how do people actively get in here? I guess. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's actually a great question. And I think Domas is also talking about the other disease that haunts our community and that's poverty. Hmm. So... If you are poor and you have HIV and AIDS, you end up at our doors. Mm -hmm. And they come to us actually all different kinds of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get lots of people from hospitals that, where do they send you? Uh, Where do you live? How do you take care of yourself? The the other part of that that's a little bit unique is uh, We're no longer just a place for people to die but for people who are struggling with poverty and they want to return their community and they're poor Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's sort of that combination of where do they come from they come from the hospital they come from the streets they come from our community Mm -hmm. but the the biggest part is really people living with AIDS not dying with AIDS uh, probably in those percentages, it might be as small, and I, I don't mean to minimize this, but it might only be maybe 10% of those who live with AIDS that actually are actively dying. Okay. Uh, the rest of the people are really just trying to make the best of
1: it. lives. Well, and that's a nice contrast to what you were saying before, which yep. was in the, in the 80s in Houston. Everyone was dying, I think was your yep. exact. Everyone. Everyone was dying. So you said you moved to San Francisco fully four years ago? Yeah. When Um, did you get involved with MyTree?
2: Well, I I came to MyTree, uh, again, to help rebuild uh, MyTree. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think as an organization, it might be characterized as it was struggling. Mm -hmm. But I also think most of the organizations, even now, that are working with people that are living in trying to survive with HIV are struggling. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a struggling community. Uh, Very few people are running to help right now people with HIV and AIDS. And and I want to say this one other part. Poverty can sort of is an ongoing struggle in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right? Nobody is really flourishing here. Uh, most of us are trying to just do the best we can. If I wasn't married to a husband who makes a, oh, a lot more money than I do, okay, I couldn't live here. Right. No, mm-hmm. I really couldn't. Right. And I think if you have a chronic illness that is like robbing you of options and opportunities, how do you get by? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's just real.
1: Yeah, that um, term or phrase, uh, income gap. Ugh. Oh. Uh, keeps coming in my mind it's like we throw it out and we don't really think about right I mean we think about fixing it but we don't think about the now of it yeah right the extremes right and san francisco is sadly emblematic right of that no exactly I mean
0: one of the things that I constantly have to wrap my head around is that extreme gap in wealth um, yeah. and an in income that we have here. I mean, the majority of the people that MyTree serves today either have no income when they come here, um, are on general assistance, which you have to pay back, um, and really is nothing, uh, or they're on SSI. And, I mean, SSI, I
1: think, is just right. over a $1,000 a month. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> like... That could do you well in the places we talked about earlier that none of us want to live. Right.
0: I mean, but can it even do that, really? I mean, right? Right. Healthcare. I mean, that's what gets me every time, is that the people that we serve, they truly have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. Right. And even then, they deserve dignity. Right? We don't... I don't think anyone deserves to be on the street or deserves to... As we've seen all over the past year, right? Die alone. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen that with COVID and it's just, every time I like have struggled over this past year, especially um, I come back to my tree and like our mission that Mm. no one should have to suffer or die alone. And it's like, that's why we're here, right? Is to be a beacon and a place of community
1: for people that have nowhere else to go. I love it, and yeah. that was an excellent segue. I yeah. think, can we talk about how you guys have, sorry, you all, yeah. I assume there are more than just you two, yeah, uh, Right here with my treat. Um. How, and if you want to do it kind of in storytelling form, you know, yep. let, let's talk about last February, March, when we first started hearing about it, and then going yep. into, right. how was it?
2: Wow, so this has been a tough year. Yeah. Uh, And it's interesting because how do you tell the story of people who have no place to go and a pandemic, and they're trying to make sense of a life that used to be not okay and still is not okay, and yet now there's even less, Mm -hmm. right? It's sort of like this, the perfect storm. Well, no, actually, this is the perfect storm. Uh and, and I just want to share just a quick story that just happened this last two weeks ago. Uh and someone who is living in their car mm-hmm. and they're dealing with being transgender mm-hmm. and they want to have that last surgery. But I've got no money, I've got no insurance, I've got no place else. And I want to talk about this one person because, I mean, and I am so grateful that I get to work where I work and do what I do. This is a person that had done all of the hard work to be their true selves. Mm -hmm. And at the very last stage, living in their car, couldn't quite get it done because... You have to be able to, to live somewhere. That perfect
1: storm yeah. hit this person. That's it. That's it. And a lot of it is uh, economic. It's, it's all economic. Yeah. I, I mean,
2: in San Francisco, if everything works just perfectly, you can barely live. Right. <laughs> right. And then you can't get surgery mm-hmm. to be fully who you are. And we got that phone call just a couple weeks ago. And, and I want to take a quick pause because that person just today had surgery. Awesome. Right.
1: And And y'all took them in. I they're here. Yes.
2: Awesome. This is it. <laughs> this is their new home. Yes. For a month. No cost to them. Amazing. No cost.
1: More congratulations.
2: Right? And I just have to say this because uh, when this person showed up at our door, after sort of looking, and that's what, uh, I just want a quick pause. San Francisco is one of those places where you can find people that, whoa, they're not going to let you just not make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were working with the Office of Transgender Initiatives and they reached out to us and we, I mean I just love this we're like no no we're going to make this happen we're going to work with you it, no matter what else we're going to work with you we're going to make sure this is going to be alright and so today they're having their surgery and this afternoon they're coming back to sort of make sure that they can check in with. they're going to finish all probably close to 7 days with UCSF mm-hmm. uh, and then they're going to come here full of full month mm-hmm. to get loved and cared for. But those are just miracles. They are. To be able to come to this place Absolutely. and get this kind of care. I
1: love it. Did you all take in any COVID patients or did that, is that, Well, well can, you, can you talk about it or? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so
0: we, I don't think we had any COVID patients that we took in, <laughs> uh, but we had to continue providing care right. right during this past year right we are serving people who have nowhere else to go and it has been hard mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I don't want to say you know it was just hard on staff or anything it was hard on staff but it was hard on the people we serve our we residents resident right? care because yeah. right a lot of the people that we serve they were alive they were here during the height of the AIDS epidemic in mm-hmm. the 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there they were seeing people die on the streets. And now we come to COVID and they're hearing that people are dying on the streets. They're fearful that they can't go out. They can't touch anything. They can't Mm. be with anyone without getting it. And I have a compromised immune system. And, 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 and it was everything on top of them.
1: Triggering for I, a lot of folks. I mean, absolutely. Okay.
2: Triggering for all of us. Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, sure. That's a, I mean, so many of my friends were complaining that they had to stay home. No, no, no. You see, here, Tomas had to be here every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of our staff, 32 staff, had to be here every day mm-hmm. to make sure that people would be safe. Th- there was no way of isolating at home and staying safe. Every day. And, and I want to say, I think probably mm-hmm. Tomas would say this. We're so proud of the fact that our residents are still alive. Yeah. That our, re- I mean, Tomas, he worked, did bingo. I did bingo. Uh, yes. We don't, well, we don't <laughs> love bingo, but we were here <laughs> for a bingo.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, we needed to make sure that our patients received mm-hmm. the care that they deserved this last year. Mm-hmm. Even with everything else crazy happening outside our doors, Mindtree was going to be here and we were going to be a place of solace and of health for our residents. Um, and yeah, so that meant that people like me who I don't do frontline work because I just don't have the like, mental wherewithal to like keep that up and do it and be smiley and happy. And you know, I played bingo. Uh, because we needed to make sure that we had activities happening on site, here for people. Right. Because you can't ask 15 people to just stay home uh, mm-hmm. without anything going on, right? right? Mm-hmm. And especially because we know, I mean, we Maitri has been, had a weekly bingo game since forever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have residents who, they have come back to Maitri after recovering their health, being back in the community, and needing more help. And Mm -hmm. so they come back to Maitree, and they still rave about bingo. And so during this last year, we had to keep that going, right? It is a Maitree tradition, and we were going to do it. And our residents, you know, they told Rusty and I to our faces, that this is not how you play bingo. This is not right. And I can't wait until volunteers come back. Right. Doing it wrong. <laughs> and we, we were just suck. Like, yes, yeah. we, we would talk the next day and be like, but
1: "Yeah, no, we're trying." But you know?
2: No, we're everyone's <laughs> disappointment. No, we <laughs> really it are. You didn't even give me oh no. But yeah. I
0: mean, we would tell each other that you know I can't wait until volunteers come back either. The real, <laughs> the real yes. volunteers. But. We couldn't disturb that for our residents, right? right? They needed some sense of normalcy. Everyone needed that this past year. And if that's all we could give them, like me as a grant writer and fundraiser was like to make sure that they had their weekly bingo games and they could yell at me under their breath, which was not really (laughs) under (laughs) their breath (laughs) because they are hard of hearing, you know, they're going to do it. And that's what you need. And that's okay because... That's what you deserve, is this pillar for you. We need to be here. We need to continue the care that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally
1: forgot to ask where the name comes from.
0: Oh. My yeah, so tree" is the Sanskrit word for compassionate friendship. It's hmm. that
1: simple, that straightforward. Yes, that's something. Yep. Did that come from the founder? Yes, name? yeah, Isan Dorsey. What are your feelings, thoughts, guesses about San Francisco as it emerges out of this strange time that we're in?
2: Hmm. Well, you know, these are kind of weird times. And I think some of what we've learned in these weird times is that there's just not enough, but uh, there's hope. And that's what I think I carry with this because uh, <laughs> did this kill us? No. Uh, are people of color going to be okay? Yeah. But we're not going to be okay unless we are okay, unless someone steps up, unless their door remains open, unless we get it through our heads that we can't shoot each other and we, we just, uh, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the legacies of AIDS grew from places that also people that are gay and different, we will not surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that's part of what we've learned.
1: Yeah. And communities coming together.
2: That's it.
1: For real. For real. Um, our theme for this. For, the, for our show, we work in seasons that are roughly a year, and we do a theme every season. Hmm. Our theme this year, because we just kicked off in early March, was We're Still Here. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's powerful. What we settled on. Um, do you guys want to riff off of that? Yeah, that idea?
0: Yeah, hmm. absolutely. I mean, <laughs> one of the things for me that has been really telling as we get back into this reopening stage of covid and everything was there was a wednesday which was our bingo day Mm -hmm. and i was leaving work just a little bit before the bingo game started and we were able to get a group of volunteers vaccinated um Mm. and this was going to be the first bingo game that they were Mm hosting. And so that meant that I didn't have to do bingo. <laughs> I was going to say, how intentional was it that you left right before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was walking along the Dubose bike path right behind Safeway here. Mm-hmm. And I saw two of our residents mm. making their way down uh, to come play bingo. Um, or rather, I guess, former residents mm-hmm. come down to play bingo because they are living right now at open house hmm down the street and we invite all of our residents to come back to play bingo and for other games and for just community because we want to make sure that they aren't alone Mm -hmm. that they still have a space that they can come back to and I saw them coming and I was just like you know it has been a very long day and I don't want to talk to anyone I don't want to do all this maybe they won't notice me and like (laughs) as soon as like I, they, we were close enough that they could recognize me. They like waved me down. They wanted to talk. And I was like, okay, took out my headphones and was like, yeah, let's talk. And they were just like, we are so excited to be back for bingo. We like, you're leaving my tree. Like what you should come play. And I was like, no, like I have to go home. But it was that moment that I was like, oh, like things are coming back together. Like, Hmm. and my tree is still going to be this place where these two old gay men can come back to. And they have a weekly bingo appointment, they have friends that they're gonna see, they're going to check back in with people. They're excited because my tree is here for them. Oh. And it just like, that completely changed my mood, and, like made my day. I was like, I'm so glad that I, like, they weighed me down and like, I'm so glad that I had that moment because We need to be here.
1: That was Tomas Moreno and Rusty Smith. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, you'll get to know K-Poo DJ and Church of Coltrane minister, Wanika King-Stevens. Episode 10 drops next Tuesday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis MacDonald, Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast
1: network.